Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Challenge podcast. My name is Challen and this week I will be reviewing the goal fest that was game week 4 and then have a look at how the teams have fared in the first few game weeks as well as my thoughts on them going forward. Stay tuned. we're back with another episode game week four is complete and this game week can probably be summed up as a what could have been week for me Uh, i'll get into the reasons for that shortly but i'd just like to say that in this week's episode we're going to be doing things a little bit differently in that I'll be doing the regular game week review and then instead of doing the preview for the next for game week five, I'm going to be having a look at how the teams have done so far and how I think they're going to be doing going forward because it is of course the international break and it's a bit too early to be planning for the next game week when we don't know what's going to happen on the international stage with regard to injuries or potential outbreaks in squads. So I think it's best to hold off on specific team chatter for now and just have a look at how things have done and maybe just take stock because it's been a bit of a roller coaster over the last few weeks. Okay, so heading into game week four. I had two transfers, no, I had one transfer, and I was looking to save an extra one heading into the international break, but I had to potentially sort out the injury concern of Son Young-min, who looked all but injured in their previous game, and he did not look like he was going to be making it to the game against United. So that was my main issue in the squad. And I also had Timo Werner, who most of us, or a lot of us had, and we're not sure whether to keep or sell because of the game against Palace and players coming back from injury. And what I ended up doing was I looked at my team and I was pretty happy to field an 11 with four defenders. Um, I had... Trent Alexander-Arnold against Aston Villa, Sice against Fulham, Kyle Walker-Peters against West Brom, and Justin against West Ham. So a pretty good backline, and I was pretty confident that they were going to do, do me rather well, maybe get a few clean sheets and hopefully more. But as we know this season, things have not gone our way. And then in midfield, I decided to just go with a midfield three and then play three up front. So I had Salah, Podence, Kevin De Bruyne was my captain, uh, Mitrovic up front, Werner, and Calvert Lewin. And this meant that I wasn't transferring Son out, but instead benched him. And he was my 
second sub because I didn't want him to come on and get one point, especially if someone else in my squad wasn't going to play. I think it was Podence. Podence was a doubt for this game week as well. So I ended up putting Mitchell as a first sub because I thought that he had a potential uh, assist threat like he has done in the last few weeks. And it's against a Chelsea defence, which hasn't been the greatest. But we know how all of that ended up, so I ended up on 42, 45 points, just below average. And it wasn't terrible, it wasn't great, but I had a blank from my De Bruyne captaincy. My top scorers were Calvert-Lewin, who is just once again... Mr. Consistency, and they have all the creativity that they need from James Rodriguez, and Richarlison seems to be hitting some good form as well. I next had Liverpool, I had Salah in midfield, he got himself a brace in that crazy game. Um, that was obviously one of the more popular captaincy choices, I think it was De Bruyne, Salah, and maybe a couple of others, but I didn't go for Salah, unfortunately. And I also got a clean sheet with bonus points from Sice, which was lovely to see, even though he was playing on the wingback role. And yeah, so I'm pretty happy to keep him going forward. Looking back at Liverpool, heading into the game, we had to decide whether we were going to captain Salah because Mane was out with COVID. But uh, there was that legend or stigma attached to Salah that he's not very good at scoring points away from home. So those who captained him, I think they did very well in that sense because that was a bit of a, a stats buster in that sense. Kyle Walker-Peters got me a clean sheet against Burnley, which was nice to see. Uh, the only unfortunate unfortunate thing about him is that he is a serious yellow card magnet. So in any game that he gets a clean sheet or any return, he still somehow gets to get booked. <sighs> which I'm not a big fan of. Okay, to be fair, he's only had two this season so far, but that's two and four. And I remember last season, that was one of the main things why... I, I didn't want him because he kept getting yellows or resulting in bans or red cards as well. Uh, my blanks were basically, once again, the, the ever blank at this stage. Uh, Timo Werner, James Justin, which was one hell of a surprise because Leicester were at home and they were playing against West Ham once again without David Moyes. Um, quite a surprise there. And probably the biggest surprise of the weekend being Alexander-Arnold getting a minus one in that 7-2 drubbing by Aston Villa on Liverpool. And a lot of people will probably blame Adrian, the goalkeeper. I can't, I, I refuse to blame him solely because they were playing with basically what their strongest back four in defense and a pretty good team besides Mane, it was a very good team overall. So yeah, 
the Liverpool defence looking very leaky. So yes, I ended up with 45 points and what could have been on my bench I had Son who got himself 18 points. 18. Which was essentially a third of, no, more than a third of what my team ended up getting. So I'm happy to be owning him heading into these next game weeks, but yeah, it's one of those things that just Jose Mourinho pulled pulled one on, on me and congrats to him. Alright, and yes, heading into game week five, I feel that we should instead of doing the preview already, we should now head into a bit of a review or look at how the teams have done so far. And how I think I'm going to do that is just basically uh, take them alphabetically and then really just take it from there and try and give you just a brief summary of how I think they've been doing and the players to look out for, especially those who are potentially wildcarding heading into the game week, game week five. Okay, so starting at the top of the alphabet, we have Arsenal. And looking at Arsenal, they we expected a lot from them in the first two game weeks. Uh, a lot of us had Aubameyang, and I think a couple of us had Nketiah, and maybe Tierney in their teams. Even Martinez when he was still there. And unfortunately, their popular assets just didn't really deliver. I think Aubameyang got himself a goal and an assist in those first two games. So nothing explosive. And the surprise in game week one was Willian, as we know. And it's, I don't think it's what we all expected, but or from, from a fantasy perspective, but I think from a team perspective and overall, it's very promising signs for them. They're getting pretty solid at the back. They're, they're winning the games that they need to be winning. Uh, they're grinding up results already, which is nice to see. Um, they've also managed to sign Partey on deadline day, which is very nice to see for them as well. Um, hopefully, going forward, they can start being a bit more consistent in terms of fantasy returns, that would be fantastic, but I think there's a, a wealth of options elsewhere where we can make a few other signings instead of them for the time being. Their next few games are a bit tough, so I'm probably not going to be investing in them, but you never know, because they've been doing so well in these last few games, or in the tougher games, um, you, we might end up seeing them pull off a few big results and if people end up investing in their, their players they might be rewarded for that. They have Man City, Leicester, United, Villa and Leeds and then Wolves and Spurs in their next like seven games which is pretty tough. But again, consistency or who could do well, it's up to them to see. Pretty interesting time ahead for them, I think. Aston Villa, the sleeper team of the season so far in terms of, I think, just overall performance and fantasy performance. They started the season late with 
being one of the teams that blanked in game week one because of the Manchester teams. And they ended up changing their defensive system, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, um, in Project Restart last season, where they used to play with more of an attacking wingback system. Matt Target on the left, and I think Gilbert last season on the right. And they were found out a lot. And then in Project Restart, they opted to play just a regular fullback system, defenders staying back and defending and focusing on defending. And that ended up doing wonders for them. They had a very good last few games of the season, and they've continued that at the start of the season. They've shown that they have early form, and they kept a couple of clean sheets in their first couple of games against Sheffield and then Fulham away. And then, of course, they went and pulled off the massive result against Liverpool just to show that they can score goals as well. And not only that, but they've, they've managed to invest really well in their squad. They've got a solid goalkeeper in Emmy Martinez. Uh, they've signed Ross Barkley on loan from Chelsea. Armand, oh no, Bertrand Traore from Lyon and Oli Watkins up front. All of those players, along with the talisman captain Jack Grealish, makes for a pretty <laughs> valuable and promising squad. And they're all pretty well priced as well. I mean, I think your highest priced player out of those five is Grealish, and he's like 7.1 million, which is a still a good price at his, considering what he's putting out. And they've got a very good run of games coming up. And looking at them, they have Leicester, Leeds, Southampton, Arsenal, and then Brighton. And then still after that, they have even more good games. So the potential is there to do very well. And they have shown that they now have some explosive power in them too. So potentially worth investment. Next team is Brighton. And similarly, they are potentially exciting, but TLDR, uh, I would say they're a little bit further down the pecking order than Aston Villa. Uh, their manager likes to play a very attacking game, and he likes to rotate his players quite often. They, so as we've seen in the first few games, they're going to concede goals, and they're going to keep trying to score goals as well. So it does well for them in terms of potential attacking output, if they can keep it up. But defensively, they're going to be need. They're going to need to start getting some clean sheets if they want to find some consistency. But they're still a squad in transition, so I think they're happy to be playing the brand that they want to be playing. So players like Lamptey, Mapay, Trossard, they're all pretty good options. And Lamptey at 4.7 now, Mopay at 6.5, and Trossard at 6. They potential good investment if you're looking for a player who can add to your big hitters if you need like a mid-price bracket player and in a pretty decent next couple of games uh, they have Crystal Palace away and then of course the 
gold that is West Brom at home. Tottenham, Burnley, and then Aston Villa. So it gets a bit tight after the next two. But short-term-wise, if you're looking to take advantage of that, it could be pretty good. The only worry is whether you can rely on players like Mopé and Trossard. In the past, they haven't done the greatest consistently. But who knows? If, they, if there's ever a team that can score against West Brom, it should surely be Brighton, right? Going forward, someone like Lamptey is a good option. He's shown that he gets he does really well in the BPS. Uh, he gets some assists occasionally, and he's always in the box attacking. His fitness is a bit of an issue. As he always, he's been coming off pretty early in games recently. But they do rotate pretty well with Brighton, rotate pretty well with Crystal Palace. So those who have Mitchell might want to be rotating him with Lamptey potentially going forward. Next up we have Burnley. Burnley heading into the season I think for most fantasy players we've kind of been expecting just the usual from them. Uh, they tend to be defensively solid, uh, hard-working teams maybe like they play a bit of a direct game, big strikers up front and do well at set pieces. But I think can't remember if it was last year or the year before. They also did pretty badly in the first couple of games. They and then they eventually uh, pulled it out of the fire and had a decent end to the season. And it looks to be pretty similar this season again. They've done pretty badly starting off. Uh, not very good at uh, creating many chances. Uh, Chris Wood gets a goal every now and then. It's pretty obvious, like they're going to be getting points from their wingers, getting balls into the box, and then Chris Wood or Jay Rodriguez getting on the end of it. Uh, they've had no real investment in the transfer window, which is maybe potentially worrying. They've, <laughs> they've bought Stevens from Burnley, so that's, I mean, not from Burnley, from Brighton, which is, which is a typical Burnley signing. I mean, you don't expect a fantastic, exciting player coming in during the transfer window. Screw it. Bring in a defensive midfielder. Uh, but yeah, uh, going forward, I think they've got a decent run. And the only thing that's worrying me is that, again, they whether they can turn it around this early. I know when there's ends up being a lot of games in like the middle part of the season around December that's when they start clicking because they've got their system going and clean sheets start coming in and they it's a bit of a dogfight in their games that's where they thrive uh, popular picks are the usual as I mentioned Taylor Wood and Dunn recently has been filling in at center back which is a potential or was a four million defender starting but with the return of Tarkowski I don't think that's going to be going much more going forward. Alright, I'm going to be taking a quick break here and then I'll be doing the rest of the teams and then we'll finish off. See you shortly.
All right, we're back from the break. And we're on to Chelsea. Um, as I've mentioned before, in the last couple of weeks, I've ranted and raved about Chelsea. So I'm not going to say too much about them. Um, they've made a ton of signings. And so far, they've been a little bit inconsistent. They've been injuries, trying to work out where to play players. So it's been a bit tough to really judge them so far. They haven't looked too good. But I think going forward, they're going to be getting better. We have some decent games coming up. So they have the potential to improve now. They have the likes of Southampton, Man United, Burnley, Sheffield, Newcastle, and then Tottenham. So there's a real potential there to improve. And I think just like last season, they had an attacking threat going forward. And hopefully they're going to be a bit more solid at the back. New goalkeeper, Ben Chilwell, Thiago Silva. Looks pretty good. I think the most popular picks for them are going to be probably Chilwell in defence at 5.5. Havertz, Pulisic, and I think Pulisic and Ziyech will probably be the most popular midfield options because they've because of their price drops recently. And then potentially, depending on how we do creation-wise for chances, uh, Werner might get a might rise like a phoenix from the ashes, but potentially not as well. Okay, Crystal Palace. Um, they, I think it's just same old, same old with them. They are able to pull off big wins as they've already shown this season, but at the same time, they are just equally able to just get railed by a team. Uh, going forward, they have very good games. Burnley, I mean, Brighton, Fulham, Wolves, Leeds, Burnley. They have good games all the way up to game week 13. So potential for points is pretty good. Their clean sheets, I think that's pretty their most reliable output of points. So players that have like Mitchell or the returning Patrick van Arnold could do pretty well. Attacking-wise, we know their options are limited, but... If you're going to get anyone, it's basically Zaha or Townsend. Their goalkeeper in Guaita could be a good option, but at 5 million, I don't think most people are going to be investing too much in them going forward because they're saving their money for elsewhere. Everton. Everton has been the form team this season so far. They invested well, good midfield signings, which has now creating more chances for the likes of Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. And they've so far been scoring goals pretty well. They've even signed a, another backup goalkeeper, which could be an indication that they're trying to uh, put a bit of a competitive threat on Pickford, which might be good for them in terms of the clean sheets, that is. Uh, they've got the derby next, which is a potential banana skin against Liverpool. But after that, pretty good games. Uh, Southampton, Newcastle, United, Fulham, Leeds. So they look pretty good up until about game week 12. Then the games start turning for them, I think. 
depending on how you look at it. Um, the only thing that has ever really bothered me with Everton has been their consistency and whether they can get the points on a on a basis that we can rely on. So far, yes, Calvert Lewin's doing well. He did well last season as well for a period, and then he also fell off. So I think we'll have to see if they can keep it up. But for now, it's hard to deny that they're doing well and hard to deny that they're a good investment with their mid-priced uh, prices. I mean, Calvert Lewin's about seven point something at the moment. Uh, Richarlison around eight, and Rodriguez at about seven point something. 7.7, I think, at the moment. And even in a defence, the likes of Luca Dean, or if you really want to go budget, Michael Keane, maybe. So, pretty good investment options there. Them along with Aston Villa look pretty good. Next up, we have Fulham. And all I really have to say, yeah, is, ugh, not good. Uh, no creativity. They just end up playing that slow possession game, as I've mentioned before, and then lung it up to Mitrovic and hope for the best. They've signed a couple of players. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek on loan from Chelsea. So, so I, I guess that's going to be one of their main players, and I hope for him that he does well. But besides that, I don't think they're going to do pretty well. Although, in saying that, their next couple of games are extremely important to their season. If they intend to stay up, I think their next five games are the most important. They have Sheffield, Crystal Palace, West Brom, West Ham, and then Everton. So, I guess we, we could say that on paper, a couple of those are not the best based on current form. But compared to who they play after that, they in, I think in the next seven games they play Leicester, City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Man United, Chelsea. So they like they, they should hope to get points on the board early or else it's going to be a bit of a scrappy season. Although I think that's probably what it's going to be. Best options, obviously Mitrovic, maybe Loftus-Cheek, actually no. His price is 5.9, so I think that's too much for him and that team. They've got Adama Lookman at 5 million, but again, same thing. Not the best. There are better options out there. And better options at that price, especially. In better teams. So, in speaking of that, we look at Leeds. Leeds are the exact definition of a good team at a very low price, that have the potential to do well against most teams. They play a very valiant style, looking to get forward, very tactical. I almost call them a Wolves 2.0 from their promotion season a couple of years ago. Uh, the only worry for them, for me, at the moment is where is where are their points going to come from consistently? Like. They have so many options. There's Meslier or Melier, however you want to say it. Dallas, Ailing in defense, uh, around the same price. In midfield, they have Costa, Klich, Harrison, 
Phillips have all been scoring go goals and points. And then up front, Bamford, who's been great in the start. And then Rodrigo in the last game scoring points. And as we know, new signings usually take about a month before they get integrated into the team properly under Bielsa. So it's around that time now. So it's going to be interesting to see whether Rodrigo is going to be the main striker or whether Bamford's going to be continuing in that role. So a lot of options. And their games coming up. They look pretty good as well, but at the same time, they could also come on the other end of that. So, Wolves, Villa, Leicester, Palace, Arsenal, Everton and Chelsea. They, on paper, they they look like, like they could be good, but at the same time, they look like they could be uh, potential losses as well. So, interesting to see how it's going to go. And again, at their price, though, it, it makes sense that if you're going to need to have some budget options in your team, then they look like a pretty good option. Next up, we have Leicester. Leicester lost a few of their important players last season. Uh, Chilwell left. They had some defensive issues with Johnny Evans being injured, so they ended up replacing them. They got Castagna and... Fofana in defence and in midfield they signed the Turkish midfielder, not sure how to say his name, Under, Under. And with Leicester, I think this season the question is going to be whether they can compete on two fronts. They're playing in Europa League and they're playing in the Premier League, obviously. So can they maintain it or can they keep it up? might be difficult um, they have a very good team on paper and they've shown that they can beat almost anyone as they, they beat Man City and then they went and lost to West Ham so consistency once again their midfield of Barnes Tielemans Madison and Didi or whoever's holding in midfield at the time it's a very good team and creatively if Tielemans is on form, it's good for them. If Madison is on form, it's good for them. But as we've seen, when either one of those players is out of the team for any period of time, then it ends up being a bit tough for them to get results, especially when they have to play against teams who sit back and defend deep. Because as we know, Jamie Vardy, Harvey Barnes, they like to play in space and they like to play on the breakaway. Therefore, I mean, looking at their next games, they have Aston Villa, Arsenal, Leeds, Wolves, Liverpool. So, good potential for points. And it could happen. For me, Jamie Vardy, the fact that he has penalties is good, but his stats from open play and his chances that he's getting, they're, they're not doing that well. So at his price point, I might not be interested. I might be looking elsewhere. But the fact that he has penalties and he could be winning penalties and scoring them, so definite good option. Harvey Barnes in midfield at 7.1. He's shown that he's, he's continuously dangerous. It's more a case of whether he can convert and get those points now. That's the main thing. And in defense, Castagna and Justin looking very good. 
Castagna with his wing-back assists and attacking returns, and Justin with his, I would say, budget price point and pretty decent potential at that price. But Pereira is close to a return, so we need to look at that as well. Next up, we head to the league champions. Liverpool, obviously the favourites this season, but just like last season, we've they've shown that they are pretty shaky in their defence. They're conceding goals, but there will come a time where they end up turning it around and they go on a, a streak of like 10 games without conceding a goal or something stupid like that. So... They've made some very good signings in Thiago and Yota and Simsikas, I think, at left back. So they haven't spent huge money, but they've made some quality signings. And I think they will continue to be the juggernaut that they have been under Klopp. The attacking returns will come from the usual suspects in Mane and Salah. And Firmino will, will link up perfectly with them, as we expect. For me, it's a case of just having Salah because he's the penalty taker most likely. So in that uh, debate of who to go for, it makes most sense to me to go for him. And then in defence, people considering Robertson over TAA. And I think at the moment he has form that makes sense. Some people even going for Van Dijk being the cheaper option. I mean, you can make a case for any of those three and I think it highly depends on your team structure and what you're trying to get with that extra money if you're going to be spending it elsewhere. If you're going to be spending, if you're looking for a 7.5 player uh, to score you points, then I think someone like Trent is a good option. If you're going to be using that extra 0.5 elsewhere in your squad, Robertson makes sense. And same for Van Dijk. Next up, Man City. Same thing. Very good players. Uh, we expect them to do well. They started well in the first game and then they lost their strikers. So Aguero has been out and so has Jesus and they've struggled. They've shown that time and again without a striker they don't, they don't do well for whatever reason. But in saying that, they're going to be improving in my opinion. They've made some good defensive signings and I think as the season goes on they will improve uh, their next couple of games look tough on paper, but they are Man City, so they can beat anyone. It just mainly de depends on do they have a striker fit? And more importantly, for me at least, is Aguero going to be fit? Because if Aguero is fit, they can beat anyone on any given day, 4-0. And look, it looks like he might be fit very soon, and therefore... He deserves our attention going forward. On the opposite end of the scale, we have Man United. Man United, don't know what to say about them. They have started terribly, the opposite of Man City. And they still are, let's be honest. Uh, they're not up to speed yet for whatever reason. It's affected them hugely. Um, they... To me, they over-rely on their counter-attacking game plan. And they're very big on wanting 
to play this Man United style, which is the always on the front foot and always going for the goals, yet they rely on counter-attacking, which means that you're inviting pressure and then going on the counter. So, a bit... I don't know what to say about them in that sense. Uh, they have needed a centre-back and a right-wing, and they've known that for a long time, and they've been... Uh, coveting a couple of players heading into this transfer window and throughout the entire window and of course being Man United they've then gone and signed a wing back a attacking midfielder and a striker because why? because Man United that's why so I don't have much to say about them they have decent games coming up but it could go both ways for them uh, Newcastle, Chelsea, Arsenal, Everton and West Brom so it's hard to say where it's going to go, but it could go very well for them, or it could not. Uh, I think the one consistent thing about them, though, is penalties. Bruno Fernandes gets penalties, he scores them. That's worth investment. If you're going to be investing in anything, it would be him. New signing, Cavani, 8 million, which is interesting. A, a near full million cheaper than Marshall, but I'm not entirely sure if he's going to be starting week in, week out, so we're going to have to wait and see in that regard. Next up, we have Newcastle. Newcastle have made very good signings, Premier League proven players, and they look good, but in saying that, they're very much a Jekyll and Hyde team, where they can play very well, and then they can play extremely badly so it's hard to tell they have for them Callum Wilson is key into how they score and who and yeah how they score their goals and how they play uh, going forward they have some fabulous games Man United and then after Man United they have basically a string of very good games until game week 14 which could warrant investment so I think for those looking for mid-price options, if you look at the other mid-price teams, you look at when their their fixtures turn, you hop off them and then hop on to maybe Newcastle. It's a pretty good option. Next up, we have Sheffield. Sheffield, oh, I'm worried about them. Second season syndrome, it could end very badly for them. They don't have the defensive solidity that they had last season in their first in their first campaign. And their big signing in this transfer window is a an unproven young striker from Liverpool who's never played in the Premier League really. So it's hard to tell if they're going to be if that's going to be enough for them. But if they can get their defence sorted out, then they can maybe start turning this around. But they need goals. And if not that, then they definitely need clean sheets. Uh, their next cup, their next three games of four games are very tough. Uh, they have Fulham, then they have Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, and then West Ham. So it's hard to see where the points are going to come from, but they need to sort that out ASAP. Next up, we have Southampton. Southampton, they had the potential to do very well on paper. Decent price options. Danny Ings up front, so it was all looking pretty good for them. But then, of course, being Southampton, 
they go and lose the first two games and then win the next two games. Players who fantasy players who owned Che Adams would consider themselves unlucky at his price point. Had some decent stats, but he just hasn't been returning. <sighs> to me, that's just what Che Adams has always been. So you get what you pay for in that sense. Uh, Danny Ings proves that. Eight and a half million. Gets points. Yes, he's been maybe lucky with a couple of penalties here and there, but he's getting the results. Uh, their next five games are tougher than they seem, in my opinion. So you might see green, but I don't quite agree. If you look at their games, they have uh, Chelsea, Everton, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Wolves. So they look good, and then they have Man United. But it could be a very tough next few games, especially if they can't keep their defences intact. Next, we have Spurs. Spurs are interesting because they've made a couple of very good signings, in my opinion. I know some might not agree, but that dressing room, as we've seen in the documentary recently, needed some leaders, needed some people who could make it a bit of an influence backstage. So they've got Joe Hart, uh, Matt Doherty, very good signing in Reguillon. So, and of course, then in midfield, Hoiberg and Gareth Bale, as well as some backup for Kane, which will probably be used for cup games and the Europa League. But a very good squad. And with Jose in his second season, this is his first full season, I think could be very dangerous, especially they don't have premium price points but they have some very good options um their next four games are fantastic they play west ham burnley brighton west brom and then man city and chelsea so the potential is there to really dominate the next few games but again we saw them start pretty badly against everton and then they played Southampton and destroyed them on the counter-attack and then drew to Newcastle. So it's hard to tell what's going to happen because they've just hammered Man United 6-1. But in the way that they're playing, with Kane dropping deeper and allowing Son and probably eventually Bale to attack this space, I think it could work very well for them going forward. Next up, we have West Brom, and all I have to say about them is gross. That's basically where it ends. Uh, I had no expectations for them going forward or at all when they first came up. I expected them to get relegated. Uh, their best player is Dean Garner and Pereira at six and five and a half. And their best chance at points, and I guess for us, is in their next three games. Burnley, Brighton, Fulham. Those are must-win games for them. So I think they're going to target them. And then probably after that, the game is between game weeks 10 and 12. Sheffield, Palace and Newcastle. Besides that, I don't think it's worth investing in them. Pereira, 
or maybe Johnston and Diangana. Besides that, definitely not going to go for them. West Ham started very badly. And then a couple of their players, as well as David Moyes, got COVID, <laughs> which is crazy. And then they went and they won their next games cumulatively 7-0, which is weird. Uh, I can't tell if they made any real signings. I don't see any signings of note. Uh, but besides that, in terms of the players that they have, the likes of Antonio, his class, managed to, to get on the end of things and keeps getting chances and he keeps putting them away. Uh, Bowen in midfield looks very interesting at 6.3, along with Fornells. But at the moment, I like Bowen much better. But And Suchek at a cut price of 4.9 4 now, also another interesting option. Their games are looking terrible, but because they play Tottenham, Man City, Liverpool. So next three, I wouldn't necessarily invest, but maybe from game week eight, it might be worth investing in maybe one of them or a couple. I'd say at least one, maybe attacking, uh, probably Antonio. And then the final team that we're looking at is Wolves. Uh, Wolves started okay, but then they lost some of the good players. I mean, they've lost uh, Doherty and Yotta, and they've replaced them pretty well with some a lot of youth and a combination of that and experience in defense. Uh, Semedo and Markel. So I think for them, they just need to get it. They need to find a good balance again, and I'm sure they will. They'll put a team together. Jimenez will start getting his returns, as they do. And creatively, they aren't creating that much at the moment, but Samedo is, again, looks like he's going to be a shoe-in for a Doherty replacement, and he'll do pretty well. The likes of Nato and Podence will continue to do well as well, and Traore as well. So I think they're going to do well their next three games. Uh, Leeds, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, then Leicester and Southampton. So pretty good fixtures coming up. Those who bought players haven't done well so far, but I think they'll do well going forward. Uh, Rodriguez, Semedo, Scythe, and maybe even Kilman, who's a, who started the last game at 4 million in defense, potentially might be worth looking out for. But yeah, that's basically it. Uh, that's all the teams. And it'll be interesting to see where they go going forward. All the teams, that is. And that's a wrap. Um, a review of the game week and a look at the teams. Basically, the TLDR, or too long, didn't read. If you didn't listen to everything and just skip to the end, then I would say that there are a lot of potential among a good host of teams, but the consistency is key, and that has not been present yet. So... FPL-wise, I think the moral of the story might be that we need to show some patience in our investments. And this week they might not do well, but next week they could score four, or seven, or six. So next week I'll be doing a preview of Game Week 5, and who knows, maybe we'll have a surprise or two in store. 
advice going forward. Uh, I would like to tell you to enjoy the break and take a, just don't look at your team for a few days. Take a step away. And as always, if you've enjoyed the podcast, I would really enjoy it if you would like it, subscribe on whatever platform that you listen to, and recommend us to a friend or give us a retweet or something. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can find us on social media, on Twitter, at FanChallenged. And that's a wrap from me. Have a good week, and I will see you soon. Goodbye.